Welcome to Lessons from the Helpful Dead, where you'll learn that the world is not what it seems and you are much more than you think you are. Here, you'll learn about positive and reassuring messages from supposedly dead people whose main purpose is to help us. Find out what happens after we die, why we're here, how we got here, where we're going, and discover that you are really a powerful eternal spirit. I'm Dan McEnany. Today we're going to talk about our global dilemmas and how we can get past them as we become aware of probabilities. We have no shortage of global dilemmas, of course, given all the wars and all the political prisoners, people getting their hearts and other organs ripped out in certain countries. And as always, there's famine, persecution, and other dilemmas that have been with us for a long time. It's interesting that so many of the people of our human race on this earth right now are either persecuted or suffering, while many others of us are doing quite well. I point that out because in today's session, Seth will mention that condition. As noted in the last session and in one or two of the most recent sessions, He's talked about the consciousness of the cells themselves and how they all work together, how they cooperate to keep our body and our mind working well, and how every cell in our bodies is altered to some extent by our thoughts. He also talks about the need for us to start cooperating the way the cells do. We as human beings need to start cooperating just as much as our individual cells do to keep us going well. So let's turn to what Seth has to say about the subject. Here's what he says. Consciousness by its nature continually expands. The nature of consciousness, as you understand it as a species, will in one way or another lead you beyond your limited ideas of reality. For your experience will set challenges that cannot be solved within your current framework. Those problems set by one level of consciousness will automatically cause breakthroughs into other areas of conscious activity where solutions can be found. Many of your global dilemmas seem so desperate only because in those areas you have gone as far as you can go without going further. The problems act as stimuli in that regard. So here he's telling us that with our current ideas about ourselves, our reality, and the limits that we believe we have, we've gone just about as far as we can go. And there are going to arise really big problems, really big global dilemmas that really are a stimulus for us to go beyond our current awareness and our current perceptions. He goes on, this doesn't mean that you have to experience disasters. They're not preordained. It does mean that you've chosen certain experiences, but that these will automatically lead to further creative development if you allow them to. The idealization, remember we've talked about that in a few recent sessions, idealization meaning the realization of our ideas. So he says, the idealization is one of brotherhood in terms of your species. 
biologically, in your terms, such, quote, brotherhood operates instinctively in the cooperation of the body's cells as they function together to form the private corporal structure, which is our bodies. At your viewpoint, you lose appreciation for the great individuality of each cell. You take it for granted that because the cells work so well together, they have no private uniqueness. You know, I've never thought about that before. I've never given too much thought to whether cells are uh, unique or social or what, but I suppose that uh, as I think about it and reflect on it, Seth makes a good point here. We just assume that our cells are going to work well together to keep us uh, healthy, and we don't give much thought to the fact that each one of them might have its own consciousness. And then next he gets into the observation that we don't have the same unity that the cells do. He says, in other terms, however, social terms, you've yet to achieve the same kind of spiritual brotherhood possessed by your cells. And so you do not understand that the experience of your world is intimately connected with your own private experience. If you burn your finger, it hurts immediately. Your body instantly begins a cooperative venture in which adjustments are made so the wound begins to heal. And here's an important point coming up. If a portion of the race is hurt, it may take a while before you, you the individual, feel the pain. But the entire unconscious mechanism of the species will try to heal the wound. Right? So the entire unconscious mechanism of our human race will try to heal the wound. Consciously, you can facilitate that development and admit your brotherhood with all other living beings. The healing will take place far quicker if you do. A biological brotherhood exists, an inner empathy on cellular levels, connecting all individuals of the species with one another. Now that's quite a statement, so I'll, I'll repeat it. A biological brotherhood exists, an inner empathy on cellular levels, connecting all individuals of the species with one another. So at the cellular level, we're all connected via their knowledge, I suppose. He goes on, this is the result, <clears throat> this is the result of a biological idealization. It exists in all species and connects all species. Now, I don't know about that. Uh, I really haven't thought a whole lot about other species all being connected, although I have wondered uh, at certain times, like this year, it seems that uh, pink hi uh, hibiscus, the pink hibiscus bushes are all doing well. Well, how do they all know how to do well at the same time? Uh, anyway, apparently at the uh, cellular level, all of the hibiscus uh, plants have their own uh, awareness, and they're all connected in some way. Uh, now he goes back to talking, <clears throat> talking about us. The race, that's the human race, suffers when any of its members die of starvation or disease, even as a whole plant suffers <clears throat> if a group of its leaves are unhappy. He puts unhappy in quotes. In the same way, all members of the species are benefited by the happiness health, and fulfillment of any of those individuals who compose it. So you don't have to feel guilty if you have a happy, healthy life and plenty of enjoyment. You're actually spreading some energy around that benefits all of the human race, even those who are suffering. 
And next he comes to a key point that as we become aware of probabilities, we can actually choose those uh, probabilities, choose to realize and bring into our own reality those that give us the greatest fulfillment. Here's what he says. Man can be aware of the vast medium of probabilities in which he exists and therefore consciously choose those, those probabilities, those best suited to the idealizations that point toward his greatest fulfillment. One part of the species cannot grow or develop at the expense of the other portions for very long. Let me repeat that. One part of the species cannot grow or develop at the expense of the other portions for very long. Now, that's a point that's worth thinking about. Right now, in the United States, we're coming to the realization that we simply are not able to afford to support the entire world that is malnourished, suffering, or persecuted. It would be nice if we could, but so many cities that attempt that are going bankrupt. And we don't have the whole human race here to support just a tiny fraction of it. So that with our current level of understanding about ourselves and our reality, we have a dilemma. What are we to do? Well, it <clears throat> seems to me if we want all members of the human race to be uh, risen up to the level of having an enjoyable human life, regardless of, of where they are on the planet or which probability they're in, then we're really going to have to expand our notion of our reality, of all the probabilities that are around us, and eventually we're going to have to come to know that we all create our own reality. And given the mindset of the Ayatollah Khomeini in Iran, who wants to kill the U.S. and Israel inhabitants, given the mindset of uh, the Chinese uh, emperor, Xi Jinping, he might as, well, might as well call him an emperor because that's what he is, and uh, Russia's Putin, and others like them. It's not going to be an easy task, even if everyone in the United States came to realize that we're more than we think we are. Think of all the other civilizations right now where that would be a much more difficult task. But <clears throat> we can't just give up. We have to keep on realizing that of all the probabilities out there, we can eventually reach the ones that are for our best fulfillment for the entire human race. Uh, now, Seth then goes on to suggest a practice element in this regard, and I'll include it because I think it helps our understanding to some degree, so I apologize. I'm just going to simply read what he says about this practice element. So here's what he says. A photograph is to some extent a materialization of an idealization carried to a certain, de certain degree. At another level, your body and your experience is a far richer fulfillment, a living, presently experienced materialization. The picture of your world is still another. If you can, find a photograph of yourself as a member of a class, a graduation picture perhaps, or a photograph of club members. Examine what you see there, then contemplate what is not seen. Imagine the emotional reality of each person present in the time that the photograph was taken. Then try to feel the emotional interactions that existed between the various individuals. Take your time. When you are finished, try to get a glimpse of those intimate relationships that each person had 
with other persons not present in the picture, but contemporary. Let your mind after that follow through by imagining contacts involving family interactions reaching back through time prior to the taking of, taking of the photograph. Then, think of all the probable actions that were either accepted or discarded so that in time terms, these people assembled. Biologically, there were illnesses avoided, deaths that could have occurred but did not. In space, there were endless varieties of probabilities and decisions. People could have moved and did not, or others did move, and so came into that particular space area. There were an infinite number of ideas behind all of those decisions. You form your own experience. In greater terms, therefore, those people decided to be at that particular time and place so that the photograph is the result of multitudinous decisions and represents a focus of experience rising from myriad probabilities. The picture of the world represents in a greater dimensional fashion the same kind of focus. Your most intimate decision affects the species. You are the creator of yourself in space and time. You also have your hand in the larger creativity of mankind's experience. Okay, so <clears throat> that is the end of Seth's suggestions. There are a couple of related things uh, that uh, were printed in the book that are related there, and I'll just read those now. Uh, these, these are from past sessions. It said, information does not exist by itself. Connected with it is the consciousness of all those who understand it, perceive it, or originate it. So there are not records in terms of objective, forever available banks of information into which you tune. Instead, the consciousness that held or holds or will hold the information attracts it like a magnet. The information itself wants to move toward consciousness. It is not dead or inert. It is not something you grab for. It is also something that wants to be grabbed. And so it gravitates to those who seek it. Your consciousness attracts the consciousness that is already connected with the material. So apparently, if enough of us decide that we're going to focus our reality uh, on rather one probable reality, if we decide to focus on a probable reality where we can realize our own greatest fulfillment, apparently we might have a multiplier factor in there. We're attracted to the idea, and the idea wants to be attracted. Let's just hope that enough, enough of us come to that point where we want to visualize and make real the reality that uh, portends or, or leads to our own best fulfillment. All right, that concludes today's session. And once again, I'm Dan McEnany, bringing you lessons from the helpful dead.